Welcome to Badgedamia, a podcast so educational two professors could be hosting it. Hi, I'm Dr. Danielle Dickenview, and joining me is Dr. Bill Pennyman. Welcome to Badgedamia, everybody. And this week, uh, the show had a ton of chaos, and we are going to channel that chaos. What do you think, D3? You ready for this? I'm all. I'm always ready for chaos. I love it. All right. That is the nickname I gave you. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that. Chaos Dick McGew. (laughs) You bet. That's what they say. (laughs) I don't know what that voice was. (laughs) Me either, but I I should bring it out more often. It was good. Yeah, man. Use that when you teach. Oh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here's my question of the day. In light of um, uh, Clayton's very awkward, I will never diminish your light. What is the most awkward thing you've said to somebody when you've been necking, kissing, making out? Those were all the words I could think of for it. I was going to say, Bill, I think that you aged yourself a decade or two by using the phrase necking. Necking. (laughs) Necking. It's so like no kid like no 16 year old has ever referred to that as like necking. I like, can, can you use it as a verb too? Like, can you ask somebody to neck with you? Oh no, I don't think so. I don't think I don't you know. can be like, let's go neck. Yeah. I think it should be verbed. We should verb it. Also. Anyway. I'm, I'm not totally sure what a verb is. So. <laughs> <laughs> So you all, this is like clearly me trying to avoid answering this yeah. question. So um, to kind of start out with, um, for listeners that maybe don't know me very well, I kind of just move through life in an embarrassing way. Um, I Embarrassing things happen to me on the regular. Um, so there's definitely awkward things that I've probably said to someone while making out, but I don't. I don't recall any off the top of my head, but I will tell you this um, horribly embarrassing story. So in my first, my first year of college, I was dating um, a guy and it was kind of like an intense and serious relationship, you know, for like an 18 year old. Mm -hmm. And um, he like broke up with me. like in February of that year. And it was really abrupt. Like it didn't make, he didn't really have a good reason for breaking up. It came out of the blue to me. And, um, I was quite sure that we would just get back together. Um, I will say like later on, I think I realized that, um, I think the reason he broke up with me was because he was back together with his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I, I don't think I knew that at the time. And if so he I was wrote, on The Bachelor, you'd be like, you're not here for the right reasons. Exactly. You right. So, for the right reasons. Ugh, ugh. So I wrote him this like really long, like love letter, like declaring like was it a my intense love for him. I know. Mm, no, <laughs> I know you love a good poem. I remember what I signed the letter as, and I'm so I can't even believe that I'm like saying this out loud. You know that kid story. This is also the worst. If it starts with you know that kid story, you know this isn't going well anywhere. Um, anywhere. But I sign the letter. Um, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. 
as long as you're living, my baby, you'll be here, like some shit like that. You all, um, side note, I don't like him forever. Um, but, uh, is this the same one that you had like the weird, like, like it just did not end well. Yeah. This, um, so it wasn't, what's really interesting is I was very close with his family and his sister and I are still very good. Okay. This is the one I'm Um, thinking of. All right. But, um, yeah, things didn't really end that well. And so like, it's kind of been interesting because I still can randomly have to interact with him (laughs) because I really like his sister. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's that, but, um, Yeah. So I wrote this really embarrassing love letter and I really hope he's not the sentimental type because I want to imagine this does not exist anywhere in the world anymore. (laughs) So what about you, Bill? What if he's listening to this and he's like, so she doesn't like me forever. Huh? Um, or does, has the message been sent? I would be really shocked if he listened to this podcast and to, um, I don't think he'd be surprised by that declaration. Um, but Bill, I need to know if you ever uttered, I will never dim your light to someone. I know. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever said, I'm sure I've said some really awkward stuff to people. Um, there was one time when I, you know, was kind of dating this girl and it's like, I knew it was kind of over and it's like, I was trying and and I know I've gotten blowback for this from you, Danielle, deservedly. So I was doing my very best to like do things so that she would just break up with me because I don't like conflict. I, you know, um, and it just, she wasn't getting the point. And so I think we were like, kind of make it out. And then all of a sudden I was like, this is the moment bill. And I was like, stopped. And I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And then I got up and I was like, and also, I just don't think this is working out. So I'm going to go after I go to the bathroom. But then I went to the bathroom and then I walked out and I was like, all right, well, then see you later. Oh, my goodness. Nothing like, uh, yeah, fleeing to the bathroom to not have to deal with the emotional fallout of that. Well, I think what happened was. I was like, going to say it. And then I lost my nerve. And then as I was getting up to go to the bathroom, I like regained my nerve, but then I didn't want to be a liar. So I was like, shoot, I'm going to have to also use the bathroom to really like, just make this all work out. So bathrooms are a great hideaway, (laughs) but then you got to come out of them. Right. I know. And that's always awkward. And I know, I know Kim is, is really thinking about this. I did check to see if there was a window and there was not one because this was a college apartment. So I thought about it. You could have climbed out of the window, Bill. Yeah. Bill, I don't know your middle name, but I would middle name you right now. William Roy Henniger IV. (laughs) That's a mouthful. Um, But yeah, I just. mm -mm. Mm. No, I think climbing out the window, if you're going to, if you've already like broke up, went to the bat. Like, I feel like that's the, that's the only, like, that's how you keep everyone's dignity. Cause I'm young, sure when, when I like young folks listening, this is how you use the ghost. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'm sure it wasn't enjoyable for her to be like, well, now the damn fools in my bathroom and I got to wait for him to come out. And it's like, 
and she didn't take it well either. Like there was crying when I came out of the bathroom and then I was like, I should wash my hands. Right. But if I don't wash my hands and if she tries to kiss me, I can be like, I just didn't wash my hands. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, there's just so much to unpack there, Bill. No, right. <laughs> I will say, I think that I'm a planner. I'm a planner by nature. Like I just, I am constantly going over plans in my mind. And so this was like, just, yeah. What were you I gonna will say? say, had you, had you actually crawled out the window, it would have made for an even better story. Right. Um, but the fantasy of climbing out the window is also pretty wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> so, uh, so I think that Clayton seems like he wanted to crawl out of a window a few times in this episode. Ooh, nice. Good switch. All right. So two minute recap, set the clock. Here we go. Um, so we uh, kind of end on uh, a bit of a cliffhanger where Clayton or Elizabeth and Shanae uh, are, are not getting along, right? And so uh, the episode starts with Clayton kind of confronting Elizabeth and Shanae. And he says, we need to talk this out. And so I was like, all right, here we go, Clayton. You're going to set some boundaries. And then he sits down in the middle of them. And then they just argue. And he gets this like thousand yard stare, like I am in hell. Um I text you, Danielle, and I said, clearly he does not have sisters because this type of thing, growing up with sisters, like I'm impervious to it. I would be poking the bear. I would be like, you know what she said about you um, and just stirring them up. So they argue, they argue, they argue, uh, and nothing really comes of it. Um, Shanae says that, uh, you know, Elizabeth is toxic and fake. She also says that she was really hurt because she made more shrimp shrimp's coming back. Um, and Elizabeth didn't eat the shrimp and no one there ate the shrimp. Um, and then Janae or Genevieve got involved and yelled, and then they had a rose ceremony. Um, and basically Elizabeth went home, which I thought was a shocker. Can I intervene just, of course, um, this doesn't count towards your two minutes. Okay. Pause the clock. I was shocked and maybe this got edited out, but how does Elizabeth never bring up the fact that Shanae disclosed her ADHD? She did say something about that, like, like very briefly, she said, you know, and then you were talking about my mental health and then Shanae just like jumped over top of her. Because I was just like, that seems like a more pertinent thing to explain to yes. Clayton than than shrimp, but yep. you know what do I know about these things? Yes, um, and Elizabeth did say so. I will call her out on this that she was not in the hot tub, and I went back on the footage, and she was in the hot tub. So yeah. she was part of the crew who did not want any of Cray Shanae's shrimp. Shanae speaking some truth there. Yep. Um, so basically Clayton is in hell and then he just decides um, that this is over. We need to do a rose ceremony. He sets, sends Elizabeth home, um, which I thought was a bit of a shocker. He keeps Shanae. All of America is like, oh, I can't believe he did this. Yep. Jaw drop. Um, so, and then uh, Melina and Kyra or Kira are sent packing. No one cares about them. 
all they care is that Elizabeth and Shanae, I, somebody cares about them. America. What was the ceremony reminded me of how many of the women, I have no idea what their names are. Yeah. Yep. Um, so then Rachel and Clayton go on dates. Um, uh, Rachel being pilot Rachel. Um, and they ride horses. Uh, they're in Houston now. And um, I don't really know if they did anything relevant to Houston. Um, Clayton said he liked the city's vibe. That's what every bachelor or bachelorette says when they, they look at the city, whatever city they're in. Um, and then they horse ride up to a random group of people and crash their barbecue. And then um, Rachel kind of discloses some stuff about her family. They go to dinner. She talks about how she uh, dated a guy who really didn't want her to be a pilot um, and kind of squashed her dreams. Um, and then they dance to, I don't remember the name of the band. Danielle liked the song. I thought it was ridiculous. I um, loved it. It was so romantic. Get out of here, Bill. Are you, gonna... <laughs> I can't tell if you're being facetious or not. I, I'm not. I love the song. <laughs> I thought it was really romantic. It's definitely probably had some lyrics that I would probably awkwardly um, say to someone while necking. <laughs> okay. Question. There was a line from the song where they said, raise babies under my name. Does that, I was, I had problems with that. Why? Yeah, the feminist they, in me did twitch right? just a little bit there. Just a um, little bit. The feminist in me was raging. I was like, <laughs> fucking patriarchy. I was like, oh, sexism. But also, I would <laughs> whisper this to someone while we're necking. <laughs> you all that are like, <laughs> I just like made Bill choke. <laughs> I just about spit my coffee out. <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, I'm a complicated human. You are. Yes. You have layers <laughs> like an onion. All right. So they end and clearly they are restless road. Um, clearly they are really liking each other. Um, and then they go to bachelorette bowl. So apparently this is a thing. I didn't realize that this has happened a lot um, where they have people play football as part of like, this has become a thing. Um, mm -hmm. So they take them tailgating and they show them the Hyundai, whatever electric car um, and how you can plug it in and grill. And I was like, no one wants an electric car for tailgating, specifically in Houston. No one, you know, where it's like everyone has a truck. So. And isn't like Houston kind of like known for like oil? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I, I was like, wow, Hyundai, did they not get to choose? Um, like where they put this car? Because like when they go to Portland in a couple of weeks, I don't know if they do, but if they go to Portland, that's your market. That's your market right there. Um, so uh, Clayton had a brief NFL stint. Um, he talks to two Houston Texans players. Surprise, surprise, they're going to play football uh, against each other. Um, Marlena, who was the Olympic 400 meter, uh, dasher, uh, is on one team. Shanae is on the other. Uh, there was some funny Hunter, uh, poor Hunter looked very out of her depth. Um, and then Teddy played pretty well, but really Marlena destroyed everybody. Shanae played hard. Um, they ran into each other. Uh, and then the losing team had to go back shrimp stampede 
had to go back to the hotel, which was Shanae's team and all the other people I don't know, because at this point, anyone anyone cares about and the producers care about is Shanae and how she can mess stuff up. Um, so then they go to the end of the night and, um, Teddy, and I believe it was, uh, Marlena, um, tell Clayton that Shanae is horrible. Um, and then, oh no, sorry. It was Genevieve and Sierra. Um, yep. Um, and then, uh, Shanae does what we all thought she would. And she decides to just strut on in. Uh, she wipes her tears off, shaves her legs walks in Clayton makes out with her. Um, and then, uh, basically she walks out and tells everyone to keep their name out of their mouth, um, keep her name out of their mouth. And then she throws their trophy in the bushes. And then we are told that there is going to be a two on one next week. Anything I missed? No, but that, that last trophy in the bushes move was like some hardcore bachelor in paradise vibes. Yes. I loved it. Oh yeah. She is. She's clearly going to be on bachelor in paradise. I mean, she was made for it. She is cute too. You're like queen Victoria. I don't think anyone was like, Oh, you know, queen Victoria is good looking. I felt like everyone was like, she's got a lot of confidence and I don't know why she's good looking. Um, but she's also just a really seems like a bad person. Um, I feel like using your metric, which I use all the time now, because I feel like it's very brilliant. It's like no one's the worst thing they've ever done or the greatest thing they've ever done. She's just done a whole bunch of bad stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I I have to say, I definitely like went on Instagram and looked Shanae up because I was like, is is this person like real life? Yeah. Um, And I will say it was really hard for me to glean any insights on her goodness or badness from her yeah, Instagram. Really? Account. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it was just like a lot of pretty photos. Influencer stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, red, but she always looks very polished and put mm-hmm. together in a very sort of Instagrammy way. Okay. So I don't know that it was you know, she wasn't awful on that. I mean, she was embracing the shrimp thing. Like <laughs> she showed like a video of shrimp and was like, I'm giving my shrimp on tonight, you know? So I think she's, and I was like, does she like not get how she's going to look? I don't know, but we can talk about some of that later. So I will say, I felt like her explanation of shrimp gate. I didn't get to be, I wasn't, I wasn't on last week because of the rotation. Um, was one of the best explanations of what a person has done. It's like, so there were eight shrimp or there were 16 shrimp. I took like eight cause I was effing hungry. And it's like, I was like, you know, I can't really argue with her. Like, I feel like she, that's solid reasoning. So. so, you know, Kim and I had a little bit of a disagreement. Um, I don't know how much of it was obvious in the podcast recording where, you know, Kim- it wasn't. You seem Kim, like Kim was like, I, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you got to share your shrimp. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. But like, I also empathize with like the desire to eat a lot of shrimp. I, so this is why I don't like to order pizza with people because I am a really fast eater and I eat probably more than is necessary. And so I'm constantly like, oh man, am I overeating? Is someone not going to get the piece of pizza that they want? Um, 
I wish I was a little bit more like Shanae, where I was like, you know what? I wanted eight pieces of shrimp. I ate eight pieces of shrimp. So there's this metaphor that um, a colleague of ours at the university uses to kind of talk about how you should think about how you participate in conversation in a group. Mm -hmm. And she uses the metaphor of like, if there is a pan of brownies, like you wouldn't eat all of the brownies, oh. right? You would share with other people. So like if that's you're really in a meeting, good. why are you kind of eating up all the conversational brownies? But every time I'm sort of like, I don't know, I might eat all the brownies. <laughs> what type of brownies are they? Like, Are they as just- As long brownies? as they don't have nuts in them, I'm-, oh, I'm I didn't know you didn't like nuts. Oh. I do like nuts. I just sometimes don't, they get in the way sometimes of my enjoyment of- You are a complex person. You have <laughs> layers we've never explored. All right, concept one. Arguments. So clearly this season, if there was one word that I could like put up there, it's arguments. There's just been a lot of arguing. Um, so what what do we know about them? I, I feel like you as the, the communication specialist here probably have some ideas or some thoughts about arguments. I can talk about them in relationships. Um, but the interesting thing is in like dating relationships, we really haven't had any arguments, right? Because Clayton doesn't argue. He just like smiles and is like, yeah, okay. I'll make out with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. From like a communication standpoint, and I think I don't know a lot of it from like an interpersonal mm -hmm. relational standpoint. So I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, but you know, when we think about argument, a uh, basic definition might be that includes like a claim, a warrant and a and data, um, which is a very, I would say logical definition, right? So the yeah. idea that you're making a claim, mm -hmm. like, um, Shanae is bad, right? <laughs> then you would provide some evidence for that. Um, Wait, there, what's a warrant? So you said a claim, a warrant, a date, and data. Okay, so confession, I've never fully understood this part. My okay. husband's the argumentation scholar. I do believe that it links the two, that oftentimes... Um, the warrant isn't made obvious in a conversation. Okay. Um, and there's something called like an enthymeme, which is a kind of an argument where like you kind of move from like claim to conclude, you know, can't claim mm -hmm. to conclusion. And it's actually sometimes a stronger argument because if people fill in the warrant and data sort of stuff themselves, mm -hmm. as opposed to having someone else feed it to them. Mm -hmm they're more likely to buy into an argument, but you run the risk of them not doing that filler mm -hmm. work. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I think that there's a difference between sort of like arguing in a sort of effective way where you like, and they clearly were not where you would sort of lay out those things. Like um, and I think that point counterpoint where they were not like that is just yelling over each other. Well, and it's not a debate. It's not like right. he's blowing it and he's keeping score. <laughs> like, oh, they answered this. They answered that. This, you didn't answer this point. So you lose, right? Like, that's he's not doing really nothing. Well. He's doing nothing. But that would have been amazing if that's what he started doing. Like, oh, point, yeah. Point to Gryffindor. And so I do think that how maybe you would want to formulate an argument in like a paper or in a meeting 
versus like how you argue relationally is very, mm-hmm. very, very, very different. Um, and what works in one context doesn't necessarily work in another. This is clearly also driven by a lot of emotions where I would say that sometimes what's persuasive in in an argument isn't necessarily like data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's emotional response, right? So um, yeah, I want to hear more about what do you know about arguments in a relationship? Well, they're useful. I, I think that's probably one of the biggest things is that, especially in the Midwest, you know, people are very nice and they kind of shrink from conflict. They don't, they don't like to it, but you know, people usually, if you ask them to rate how they feel before an argument, they think they need to have. And then after they feel better because there's an air clearing, hopefully there is a move past kind of whatever the roadblock was. Um, How we argue is kind of interesting. You know, if you have like friends, you're much more likely to have smaller arguments with them um, because friendship, there's this understanding that it's not a, you know, there's not like an end um, to it. You know, you're like friends with somebody. It's like do stuff with them a bunch. And then maybe you're gone for a while, but you come back, you resume that friendship. And so people tend to be more willing to have those arguments um, when they crop up, where in relationships, people tend to avoid arguments um, because there is this finite end to a, a romantic relationship, right? And so people are worried if I have this um, argument, is it going to end the relationship? And so they tend to have weight and then have much bigger blowups. Um, so really effective relationships, they have those small arguments and then they move on. Um, and when they find a resolution, they kind of stick to it. Um, and they fight fair. Um, that's the thing with friends too, you know, friends, friends who get along well fight fair. And I'm not so on sure that if you ask Shanae, if she thought her and Elizabeth would, were friends, I think Shanae might be like, yeah, we're friends. Um, I feel like this might be the way Shanae like interacts with her friends. And we probably all had a friend like that, right? That it's like, they're hard to be around, but they're my friend when they're being crazy. I just kind of like, ignore them for a little bit and let them work their stuff out so well and they're in a weird situation where right you know really kind of forced into close quarters and a lot of time with each other and competition yes and so i mean like that's a really unique and intense sort of situation but yet like they also sort of recognize that they all have made sacrifices to be there maybe or that um that they recognize that they are having this intense experience together. And so it's kind of this weird, like, yeah, we're part of this thing. Mm-hmm. So we sort of like, like each other, but at the same time, they maybe don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we kind of talked about, this has come up before, but when, before I got married, one of the best pieces of advice that I was given mm-hmm. was to make sure that we'd had a really good fight. Um, before we were committed in that sort of way, because how you fight with each other kind of matters. Yeah. Um, And I do think that there's probably, and people probably don't research on this, but um, I do think that there's different argument styles. Yeah. And um, some that probably work together better than others. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, however, you we, we talk about this a little bit in class, and, and this is more towards the relationship, like dating relationship thing. But, you know, there are bad 
ways to settle disagreements and it's like hitting, yelling, not letting a person, you know, um, say their piece. But then there's this other side where it's like some people when they argue are very loud and they're very, you know, demonstrative. There's some people who are very quiet, but if those communication styles work in a relationship, as long as people get to where they feel like they've resolved the issue, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, so I think sometimes people have a, a hard time with, um, this person is loud and they argue very forcefully, um, as opposed to, you know, this person is not letting me say my piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, one of the things like watching this, that was interesting is as much as I dislike Shanae, um, I also felt like Genevieve maybe mm-hmm. wasn't always arguing well. Oh yeah. By that, as she was, you know, kind of cutting off Shanae or, you know, give, give Shanae points where she needs to, so that she can move on. So right. like, rather than like freaking out and saying, you know, Shanae, you're not getting it. It's not about the shrimp. Right. It's not about the hot tub. Mm-hmm. Right. Saying, you're right. She was in the hot tub. Yep. But what really matters here? Like if she would have just thrown her that bone, I think yeah. they might've been able to keep moving, but like, she was sort of like, resistant to give her anything because she was like that's not the point and she was right but like I think that there's ways that she could have navigated that in a way that maybe it could have been a more productive fight but I also was like I don't understand even when Clayton like brought the two of them together I was like they're not going to resolve this yeah I don't I don't know I don't think Clayton really thought that I think a producer was like bring them together they'll settle it. And the producer was like, they're never going to settle it. They're just going to yell. No, no, no. Um, I felt like Genevieve had strong, uh, strong, angry Italian girlfriend vibes, like, like Snooki from uh, Jersey Shore. Like, I feel like Genevieve could be a yeller and like, yeah. What I liked about Genevieve is that in some ways, I appreciated that she was getting, that she was so passionate on her friend's behalf. That's true. Yeah. Right. Like I, I just, I appreciated that, that she wasn't going, you know, I guess you could view that as she was like maybe getting into an argument that wasn't hers to get into. Mm -hmm. But I, I felt like in a lot of ways I would want a friend that sort of did what she did. Yeah. Yep. All right. So in that vein, uh, kind of the next concept that I thought was interesting, and this kind of goes to the arguing and, uh, you know, resolving conflicts. Um, so Rachel, pilot Rachel kind of brought up that she had dated a guy who didn't want her to be a pilot. He kind of um, said, I don't want to be your, uh, you know, I, she felt like he was dissuading her from her career and Colton or Colton Clayton, they're interchangeable in my mind. Clayton basically said, I would support you in whatever you wanted to do. I would never dim your light. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I don't think that's a good promise to give somebody. Um, so when I was thinking about, I, I kind of had an interesting reaction to this part too, because mm-hmm. on one hand, I think that Rachel's really smart to recognize that her career did have an impact on a relationship in the past and that she should sort of bring that up with him. Mm -hmm. 
but I do feel like he was just like, oh yeah, like no big deal. And I was like, no, no, like that is a career Mm -hmm. where she might be working weird hours, sometimes like days at a time without being home. And so, you know, I think about that. um, You may have to move. Right. Or there might be only like certain locations, like you Mm -hmm. you probably aren't going to be able to live someplace without a major airport. Um, or it would be a lot more difficult to do. Um, and so like it, it seems to me that like, that's a really legitimate thing to bring up and discuss. And unless it was edited out, I felt like he was like, Oh no, like I just really admire you for taking on this career. And like, you can admire that, but also Mm -hmm. go like, I don't know that I want a life where, you know, like that has to work around that kind of a schedule. I think about that with a lot of different careers, like, um, doctors, um, uh, police officers, um, maybe even accountants or like run taxes that there's a big season that things are really intense. Um, I can see, you know, like, I think that like recognizing that that's going to change sort of the rhythm and the cadence of your life is legitimate. Yeah. I, that was kind of what I was thinking about. Um, you know, there's been points in our marriage where, you know, somebody got an offer somewhere and we had to really think about it. What does this mean for us moving? What does this mean for us doing, you know, this um, or that? And it's like, I don't think it is fair to either person to say, I'd never block you from doing something you want. Um, kind of interesting. I've been reading. So I read both Barack Obama and Michelle Obama's books. And when they talk about him running for president, they have very different perspectives on what happens. Um, I mean, I feel like Barack Obama was kind of like, I was called and I had to do it. And, you know, Michelle came to the idea and Michelle Obama still a little bit like, kind of like, what could I do? He wanted to do it. Um, and I think they've worked through it, but you know, it's like, if the president and the first lady who are kind of, you know, everyone loves them. I think most people can agree they're, their role models were having problems with this, like Clayton. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't think Clayton put a lot of thought through it. And my second question was kind of like, how do you resolve it? And I don't have a lot of, I tried to look in the literature and there's no like ABC way of solving it. Um, I just can't imagine if you're in a long-term relationship that you don't have to make compromises around career choices at some point yep and i think that there needs to be a lot of communication about it and i think that both people involved need to recognize if they're feeling bitter about something because i mean i you know to the same thing being two academics um we definitely kind of took turns, right? Like in certain ways, like our first jobs out, I did not have a position that I wanted and I was actually really unhappy. Um, And Ryan had to make a career sacrifice for us to move back close to family. And um, it, you know, like kind of, we kind of went back and forth. And I think we're at a place where we're both, you know, pretty happy, but like each other's, careers do impact 
each other's lives. And so I think just going like, I think that there's also a difference between like supporting someone in their career. And, you know, like, I think that if her previous partner was like, women shouldn't be pilots or like, I don't want you to be a pilot. That's crappy. Right. Or subversively doing stuff to undermine her career. Right. Then that's not great. Right. Right. But I think if they were like, hey, I don't know if I want to live the kind of life that like a pilot, you know, being a partner with a pilot might be like, I think that that's an uncomfortable, but honest and clear. (laughs) I think I think it's the the kindest way to deal with it as opposed to and it's like, yeah, like you said, it's not like not supporting your career. So you have a child. And the person's like, I have to be gone for three days. And you're like, well, suck it up. You need to change the diapers today because it's your rotation. Instead of being like, I'll take it today. Next time, you know, you need to do this. That's supporting your person, your your partner's career. But like you said, just agreeing that I'm going to do this, even though I'm not comfortable with it. And, you know, I'm not happy that you're gone five days out of the week. But I'm going to like soldier on is not the the recipe for success in a relationship. And, you know, I think too, like if you're really looking at something like marriage and you see that as something that's going to last for decades, right? Mm -hmm. Like people also are going to change their minds, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like what, you know, it's, I can't remember, but I'd been reading a little bit and especially younger folks, Mm -hmm. the idea that you stay, you take like a job in a place and you stay working with the same company for Mm -hmm. your entire career is like less and less and less common. And so, I mean, I just think that that is something that you have to be willing to navigate together because life is long and like crap happens and your priorities change and what you enjoy doing changes. Mm -hmm. And so like you might marry someone where you're both in careers that you aren't in, in 10 years. Yeah. And being on the bachelor might drastically change what you That's true. I guess they can all be like influencers if their real careers fall back. You know, and I'd be curious to see like the longevity on that, like, you know, like how long, um, can you ride that wave? Be an influencer. I got to imagine the influencer life is like starting to like people talk about it now. And they're like, oh, they're an influencer. I got to imagine like that wave's kind of almost done. Like, well, Bill, I mean, I think that we, you know, with our podcast are definitely, you know, we're trying to get our two kittens to be influencers. If you follow Elaine or I on, on Instagram, we've been making a lot of reels with them. So if there's anyone who wants to sponsor Ari and Flo. Um, they're pretty, I mean. They're cute. I'd follow them. <laughs> Although one of them um, just about knocked a candle over the other day. So. But that's what um, fuels their flame, <laughs> their fame. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, it's, they're a little bit naughty. And I think that that adds to their, um, their branding. Everybody wants a kitten that's naughty for the world, but sweet for them. (laughs) That was weird. All right. Uh, so my last concept, Elaine and I talked a lot about, I just got that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you think Shanae's pursuit of Clayton makes him more likely to choose her? So Elaine and I were talking about this and I was saying, I remember, so I dated this, this girl, right. And like, she pursued me and being a man of average attractiveness, uh, it is not often that I get pursued. Right. And so this girl, like hardcore, hardcore, full court press came up to me at a party was like, Oh, you know, I've been hoping you'd come talk to me. It's like, we dated for like a month. And then I realized that she was very possessive. So like we would go out to the bars and she would like put her hand in my back pocket. And I first was like, Oh, this is sweet. And it's like, no, it was to like show all the other women that like I was hers. And, um, she'd like, if I talked to somebody at a bar, she'd be like, who are you talking to? Who's that person? How come I've never met him? Um, and so I just wondered, like, what? Why is Clayton keeping Shanae around? And I was trying to explain it, and I didn't know if you had any thoughts. You know, it's interesting because I'm reading some. Maybe um, you do this with Ryan. Bad like, novels. <laughs> yes. My, when Ryan goes outside, you like walk in front of him. Like, don't look. I always me. have my hand in his back pocket. But because he's <laughs> a giant, it's like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you know, it's interesting because I do think that sometimes the opposite thing is what is really attractive to certain um, people. So the idea that, you know, someone kind of ignores them mm-hmm. is like the thing that makes them want to like be able to capture their attentions. That's definitely a plot line in a lot of the novels that I read. Um, and I do think what's interesting is I think that Clayton likes the attention and I don't think that he's the first bachelor or bachelorette that these sort of really um, forward Mm -hmm. um, contestants, you know, really meet appeal to them. Mm -hmm. Um, They like being doted on. I get it. Um, at the same time, I'm always sort of struck by, like, I'm like, you are looking to get married, though. Like, right. In, and is that the- this? And I think that there's like such a difference between what maybe you would like if you were on Bachelor in Paradise and you might date someone for a while, you know, versus like what you would be drawn to in the context of the show. But I think that this works a lot of the time. I think people like the attention. They like being doted on. They like to feel pursued. Um, I think he's also just, he is probably one of the most introverted bachelors that there's ever been. And I wonder if this is easy, right? Because she's coming for him and it's like, he doesn't have to really talk so much. Um, which I get because I'm not, I don't like big social situations. Um, and so it's a lot of work to go and talk to people and, you know, beyond and everything. And I wonder if that's part of the draw with her. I, I think, abs- I mean, I think that could absolutely be the case. It's just, it's really interesting because it's clear to me that any connection that they do have is really physical. Mm-hmm. Where like, he does seem to have, like him and Rachel had a really lovely connection on their date. And there's some other people, um, Susie, um, who did he go on his first one-on-one with? Sarah, was it Sarah? That sounds right, yeah. Um, I, 
you know, I felt like there seemed to be both chemistry and a deeper connection there. And so um, I do really wonder how much the producers are making him keep Shanae around. Um, I'm sort of struggling with how much is his decision and how much is the show. I think it's his decision. I think he is, I think he's enamored with the attention. So I kind of, cause like, I felt like it would have been so easy when she interrupted mm-hmm. the date and was supposed to be gone. He started to set mm-hmm. boundaries there. He's like, wait, are you? Mm-hmm. And then like, he was amused by it and allowed her that knowing and what I sort of miffed me mm-hmm. about this part is that he knew it was going to piss the girl, yeah. the other girls yeah. off. Yeah. And that was a clear place where he could have sent a signal to Shanae and said, look it, I want to spend time with you. But right now my time's with the people that are here. And right. he didn't do that. And I kind of lost some respect for him in that moment. Um, I will say I was talking to, my colleague, Lori Johnson, who's been on the podcast before, and she really just thinks that a lot of it, like she thinks that she's getting some nonverbals from Clayton that he's uncomfortable around Shanae. And she feels like all of it is producers. Interesting. So See, I think he is having been in a situation like this personally, I think he is uncomfortable, but also enjoys making out with her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like like he's thinking more with little Clayton than he is with his brain brain. Um, and it's like you can be uncomfortable, but then when someone just tries to suck your face off, it's like, well, I'm no longer uncomfortable because I'm not having to deal with her being kind of like boorish. Give me boorish. Yeah. Word. Is, is boorish the right word? You're better with the English than I am. I don't know. I have no idea what that word means, but I'll, really? I'll say sure. Don't act like you won't look it up. I, I will as soon as this podcast is over. So I do want to talk a little yes, bit yes. about Shanae Wild card. and Dylan. Wild card. Wild right. card. So I wanted to do a little bit of research on the role of villains in dating shows. And I've got to tell you, there's not a lot of research on this topic. So if you're like writing an MA thesis or I don't know, a paper or something, and you need a topic, I think that this is ripe. Um, there is a gap in the literature, folks. So go get them. Um, there is um, some research, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later. I mean, there is research on villains, but it doesn't seem, and it comes up in some of the research on reality shows, but not specifically about the role of villains on dating shows. Anyway, mm. so. Um, What we do know is that the producers do often create villains. It makes for a good narrative. And um, when I was doing my research, I did come across this sort of old article now um, in Time Magazine um, by James Poniewozik. I don't know how to say it. That's a great last name. (laughs) I do not know how to say it. Um, But he was kind of talking about how um, reality TV fakes it. And in the article too, he was talking about how viewers like know that reality TV is fake, but, and we've talked about this before. It's just so hard to figure out how much of it is fake. Right. 
Um, and he was talking about different techniques that they use. So one technique is frankenbiting. I saw this on the notes and I was like, oh, sweet Lord, sweet Christmas. I love that word. <laughs> I don't know what it means. Yeah. So um, it's basically where they're taking sound bites and they Frankenstein them. So they're putting them together, right? They're building it. And so what you see is that somebody might say, oh, I just like love that guy or something like that. And they're talking about a friend, but then they edit and use that clip later to make it sound like they have romantic feelings for someone. Um, uh, And so you can take things that they said at a different time and show it out of context and it can recreate a story. Um, That there might be fake settings that doesn't apply as much here. There might be misleading montages. So this is like where mm. um, also we get images that are out of order that create a different sort of story or timeline of things, um, leading interviews. And I thought the overdub was a really interesting one. So in the article, they were talking about, I don't know, a different reality TV show where the villain of that episode was seen like was portrayed to be having sex behind a bush with the love interest. And they're like, what they had done is kind of a combination of Franken planning where they had taken a line where she's like, I like it laying down or something. <laughs> and that was like a way out of context. <laughs> at a very, like maybe not even on the same day. Uh-huh. They put that in the background and then they overdubbed like other sound effects, like kissing sound effects and things really? like that to make it appear as if they were doing some, that they were being more intimate than they really were. Um, the and so turn I, of the millennia was wild, y'all. Y2K, we got out of it. Usher was big, man. Yeah, and so... Frankenbiting, biting overdubs, right? Like, can we, can we believe anything you all, right? Um, anymore. Um, but you know, I was thinking about how much the producers play a role in making Shanae the villain. And what's really hard for me in this case is like, yes, I think I mean, they did like zoom in on shrimp and then like play <laughs> shrimp everywhere throughout this episode. So like they are fueling the fire, but at the same time, it's also clear to me that the other girls really don't like. <laughs> and if they are making her look that bad, it crosses a line in my mind because she is making inappropriate comments about someone's mental health. It's one oh, thing yeah. to make you look like you're kind of this pushy girl that like, you know, has a bad ad or guy, you know, you're this bro guy. It's another thing where it's like, you are actively like outing someone's mental health struggles or. Oh yeah. There's, there's, it'd be hard to spin that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that the article that I read kind of asked that really had me thinking is like what happens to villains when they carry their fake reputations into their real life post-show and I think that that's a really great question and I actually think of Blake stagecoach Blake yeah because like I'm kind of like a Blake fan 
And he has talked about though, you know, he really, I think he, he did make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I just spit. Um, he did make bad decisions, but I think he also, the producers really did do some mm-hmm. of these things to enhance his um, role as the villain. And he's mm-hmm. talked a lot and pretty openly about how that has affected his mental health mm-hmm. and the therapy that he needed to go through um, post-show, him needing to sort of distance himself from Bachelor Nation for a period of time. Um, and so I do sort of think about that when you have reality TV shows, even though we know that it's fake, I think we also assume that it's also real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's both and. And so like what does sort of happen when, you know, we continue, you know, like we continue as viewers to view them as people instead of characters that were cast in a show afterwards. And then we continue to interact with them on social media and stuff as such. And I don't know, it's just really interested. I'm also like really kind of interested in the characteristics of villains on dating shows. I think that, um, some of these overlap with villains in other genres, like in horror movies, there's a lot of research on like horror genres and like Mm -hmm. villains. And, um, I think that women tend to be pretty overtly sexual Mm. that are villains. So think like queen V, Mm -hmm. um, uh, even like Demi, Mm -hmm. right. Are these kind of like brazenly openly sexual? I mean, every once in a while, maybe you get a Katie Mm -hmm. who can be a bit of a hero and still do that or Hannah I even think Hannah B is a little bit um embracing her sexuality but I think that's something you oftentimes see Mm -hmm. that like the sweet girls are often less um brazen about even Katie was kind of embraced as an anti-hero oh yeah like like she was embraced because she was so open but it was almost like she's like bad in a way that you like root for instead of just being somebody who's open yeah and i will say like some of the research on race and reality tv shows does show that people with minoritized identities are more likely to Mm -hmm. be cast in villain or just ancillary roles Mm -hmm. like that you know they oftentimes aid the person um the white woman who ultimately receives the affection um of the lead so i don't know i think it's interesting i still want to keep thinking about it but i you know do some research out there folks and then send it our way send it our way batchadamia at gmail.com or at batchadamia on twitter Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. lessons learned what'd you learn Ooh, i learned that arguing well is a challenge um also that bill uses the word necking <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that you are far more complex than i ever thought um the 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 tension between your feminist side and your love of sappy country music are really just i'm here to see how this story ends um so People are complex that we can embrace contradictions all the time. (laughs) My other lesson um, learned is that um, 
I feel like I'm going to sneeze. All right. No, I'm not going to sneeze. Um, and now I forgot what I was going to say. I'm just going to stick with the fact that Danielle is very complex um, and that arguments are hard. And yeah, that apparently Dan said some boundaries. Danielle is not okay with climbing out the window if you're trying to break up with somebody. No, I'm not. I'm like, no, we're going to sit down and we're going to hash this out. We are going to write a poem. <laughs> we are going to have a spoken word circle. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't want to feel feelings, y'all. We're going to leave broken up, but friends. <laughs> <laughs> what a good way to end. All Absolutely. right. Have, have a good, good weekend. Video. Bye. You've been listening to Bachadamia with your hosts, Drs. Daniel Dick McGue and Bill Henniger. All opinions expressed on this show are solely the opinion of the person who spoke them. If you like our podcast, please consider following us, leaving us a five-star rating, and a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please share with your friends, family, and other ardent Bachelor content lovers. If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at bachadamia at gmail.com or on the Twitter with the handle at Bachadamia. Thanks for listening.